Welcome uh, again to uh, the Yellow Point Retreat again this year. Uh, this is actually, uh, for the people who are new here, this is the actually the 30th year we've had this retreat since Sanchi was here in 1977. Uh, it's the 28th continuous um, retreat in 28 years in a row that we've done this retreat. So it's been uh, quite a long time, and this is one of the largest crowds we've ever had. There's over 100 people here this weekend. We've taken every available bed, plus some. I think we've got one person in the attic. So, uh, out on the... Oh, by the way, I'm Steve. I'm Monique's husband. You probably all know Monique. She does all the registration. I'm her other half. So, out on, out on the desk at the registration is a uh, copy of the schedule for the weekend. We can all take a look at that. Uh, Russell is here. He's in his room resting. He'll be doing satsangs tomorrow and Sunday. Tonight we're devoting the satsang to Samhain Singh because it was in 1911 that uh, Satmat came to North America, a hundred years ago. And it came to the West Coast first, to Port Angeles in Washington State, which is just south of Victoria. So we're going to have a number of people reading. And... Um, Monique, the only thing Monique wanted you to be aware of for this weekend is to make sure that we're all on time for dinners and lunches because uh, the staff has a schedule that they follow, so we have to make sure that we're all available for the lunches and breakfasts and dinners. Other than that, I hope you have a great time. Anything you need to know about the lodge, just let me know and I'll tell you. And I'd like to call on uh, Teresa Crawford now to uh, get things rolling tonight. As Steve said, we would like to remember Baba Sawan Singh in the satsang tonight. The first letter was written by him to his first Western disciples on January 1st, 1911, to Dr. and Mrs. Brock. The following readings explain some of the history that brought Sanmat to the West. Okay, this is the book, The Dawn of Light. I think some of you may know of it, or most of you may know of it. The first edition was written in 1985, and it says, The Dawn of Light contains excerpts from letters written to satsangis and seekers in America from 1911 to 1934. These letters were written mainly to Dr. Harold M. Brock and his wife, Jenna Beeve, who were the first seekers to be initiated in America, and later became the first representatives of the great master there. A few of the replies were addressed to seekers in America and some to other disciples. These letters have been brought to light by satsangis in America. Some letters are very lengthy and contain many different subjects. In reply to the queries raised by the satsangis and seekers in their letters to the great master. The long replies were necessary in order to cover all aspects of their queries. Written with compassion and understanding, these letters reflect the great master's deep love for his American disciples, who, though physically far away from him, were close to his heart. Each letter is punctuated with the master's concern for their welfare, his keen desire to explain the finer points of the path to them, to encourage and inspire them to attend to their meditation with loving earnestness. 
for his American disciples, these letters formed the only physical link between them and their beloved Satguru. The letters were eagerly awaited, lovingly received, and cherished by them as the most treasured possession of their lives. When the Indians began to migrate to Canada and the United States, they brought with them living testimonies to their respective religious faiths. One such Indian satsangi was pivoted in the development of Radhaswami in America. In a very revealing autobiographical article, Kirsing Sasmas, sometimes spelled Kirsing, explains how and why he migrated from India to Canada and eventually to America. He also reveals how he came into contact with Dr. Brock, the first American initiate and representative of Baba Singh. This is what he wrote. From adolescence, I had a strong interest in seeing foreign lands. In 1904, I took the opportunity to go to Hong Kong via Bengal, Assam, Malaysia, and Singapore. I stayed in the trading center of Hong Kong approximately 30 months. The master made my passage extremely easy. I went to Shanghai by boat and then to Japan. From Yokohama, our boat crossed the Pacific in roughly 20 days, reaching Victoria in British Columbia, Canada. I found Victoria to be a very beautiful city with a fair Sikh population maintaining a large gurdwara. In 1910, Kir Singh Sasmas accepted a position with the Canadian Pacific Steamship Line as interpreter for a large number of Indians who were then migrating to the lumber camps in Canada. Later, he was asked to serve in the same capacity for the Canadian Pacific Railroad Company, which took him to the state of Washington in the Pacific Northwest region of America. In this occupation, he spent part of his time in the United States and part in Canada. One evening, while he was walking along a street in Port Angeles, Washington, he was approached by a couple, Dr. and Mrs. Brock. They had seen floating above his head a beautiful radiant face with a white turban and a white beard. Unable to restrain themselves, they stopped him and asked him who the saintly-looking man was. Kersing was puzzled at first, but thinking it must be the will of the master to reveal himself to this American couple, he said, It is my master, Maharaj Sawan Singhji. Not satisfied with the brief reply, they were anxious to learn more about the extraordinary sight they had seen. The Brocks had many meetings with Kersing. They asked numerous questions about the Master and his teachings and were fascinated by what they heard. Soon they were convinced about the path and became anxious to be initiated. They knew that only a perfect Master could link them with the Word and apparently a physical meeting with him was an important step. They could not, however, manage to go all the way to India at that time. Kirsing wrote to the great master about the Brocks and their desire to be initiated, explaining that it was very difficult for the couple to travel all the way to India then, and that there was no likelihood of such a possibility in the near future. The great master responded in his letter of January the 1st, 1911. So almost a hundred years ago. 
<laughs> That's incredible. That the Brox must not despair. It is not absolutely necessary for getting truth that they should come to India. The Master is everywhere and can give them the truth even in America if they have an earnest and burning desire to get it because the Master is always ready to open the door if we knock with sincerity and true earnest love. Dr. Brock was initiated in 1911 and that marks the beginning of Satmat in America. A few years after their initiation, Dr. and Mrs. Brock were appointed by the Master to convey the initiation instructions to others and so became the first American representatives of Sawan Singh. In those days, there was no printed literature on the path in English, so these letters became the first written teachings that the disciples had to refer to. The answers to questions are given in much detail explaining many facets of the path, which can also be helpful for us in reading them today. It is almost 100 years later from the date of these letters, and there are now many more initiates in the West, both in Canada and the United States. There's also in letter number 24 in this book, someone refers to two disciples living in Vancouver, British Columbia. So, we're covered. <laughs> so, in the dawn of light, which I read earlier, and this has been one of my really favorite books, but I guess I know why now. But, um, not all of the letters are printed and some parts are omitted. And then some copies of the original letters were photocopied in the early 1980s. I know some of you have this. <laughs> you can see my book is wrecked. But anyway, I've actually got Norma's book, so I knew it was before 1985 because she died that, or left the body that year. <sighs> so I wasn't going to tell this story, but I think it's pretty amazing. In May of this year, a few of us wanted to have a little retreat, a girls weekend. So we got together and on Saturday night we had our little satsang. And then we started talking about what could we do different at Yellow Point. You know, we need to just mix it up a little. So we got talking about it and Norma, how she had, you know, brought all this together with Master's Grace. And we thought, well, let's read from the letters. And then we would photocopy the letters so that everybody could have a copy. So we thought, well, that was kind of a cool idea. So that was our plan in May. And then in June, two initiates had come from St. Bonnie, um, Selena and Paul Dykstra. Some of you may know them. They came to visit. And their daughter was graduating from nursing school, so they had come for that. So Jim and I got invited to go for dinner with this group. So I called Ruth Sikorsky because she was planning the dinner and Paul and Selena were going to stay with them overnight. So I don't know how we got talking about these letters. And I said, oh, we're maybe going to photocopy them at Yellow Point. And she said, I've been typing these letters for the last two years. <laughs> and she said that she found that when she sat down to type the letters, she felt a special connection to the master. So I said, well, Ruthie, how far have you got? And she said, I've got about 70 pages left to type. Oh, 80%. So I said, can you get them ready for yellow point? Because instead of photocopying, 
we could have all the letters printed. And these letters would be word for word because in Dawn of Light, a lot of them are missing. So we have all the letters typed word for word and some pictures. There's pictures of Sanji at Yellow Point, but you'll see the book tomorrow. But anyway, it's really amazing. So anyway, it's just, it's just amazing how he can get work through us in spite of us. I mean, it just, it just blew me away. So I just thought I wanted to share that with you all. So this started in May, and this is what it's come around to. So these books will, will be at the book table. We've got a library set up downstairs. You go downstairs from the lobby, and they're, gonna, they're $9. That's all it costs. And we have 300 copies. <laughs> so if you want to bring some back for your satsang or your friends, neighbors, kids, whatever, we have lots of copies. So three people have lovingly volunteered to read a few of the letters from the new book. And then we'll conclude the satsang with a video of Baba Salon Singh. So, so Alara's going to read, and then Ruthie's going to read, and then Sheila's going to read. So. Hi. Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to look through some of these, and I've chosen excerpts from about four different letters. The first one is March 20th, 1916. Dear son, I have got your letter. You need not be anxious for definite or clear spiritual experiences. As you go on in your exercises and gradually the bonds of karma become loose, then by degrees your spirit will become more and more attached to and attracted towards the feet of the Lord. Never doubt that one day perfect spiritual joy will be granted to you. You are quite right in what you say about the state of consciousness. It is best to pick your way slowly along the path of spiritual journey without neglecting the business of the world. You and your wife will most assuredly go on together after death. There will be no separation between you. One Mrs. MKB lives now at Vancouver. If she brings my letter to you, then please give her the secret of the holy name as was given to you. But at the time, you should not think that you are giving it to her, but rather that you are carrying out the orders of the Master. With love and blessing, yours affectionately, S.S. Uh, the next letter is November 18, 1915. Dear son and daughter, both of your loving letters have been duly received, and I am very much pleased to learn their contents. It is Holy Father's blessing that you have so nicely understood the real object of the teachings of Holy Radhaswami. Your strong faith and ever-improving love for him is sure to convey you near the blessed feet of the Master, because the love and faith are the only connecting link between the Sikh and the Guru. To reach the stage of superconsciousness and to make a distinction of higher sounds, it is very important through exercises to concentrate the spirit current at teal or even above this point where the memory of physical body and its environments is absolutely lost. Further, none can escape the effects of karma 
without the attainment of such superconsciousness within. When you get tired of the regular position, you may adopt another posture that may suit you. Our main object is to direct our attention towards the sound current. It is better, beneficial, and helpful for both of you to guard against the tendency of each other. Because the objective mind is very powerful on the physical plane, and it is mutual, satsang only, which checks our evil tendencies. You may both freely discuss all the questions, and that which you cannot understand, you may write it to me. With best wishes and kind regards from myself, and hearty Radhaswami from all the satsangis, Yours affectionately, S.S. And then the last letter is dated April 27th, 1921. My dear daughter, Radhaswami, I am in receipt of your letter of February 18th, along with the enclosed letter from Mrs. M.K.B. The reply to Mrs. M.K.B.'s letter is enclosed herewith. Please read that and pass it on to her. I have forbidden her to use the Radhaswami name except as the name of the faith. I very much appreciate the keen interest that you and the doctor have taken in the work of the Master. You are conducting the work of satsang on right lines of the faith, and the Master is very pleased with you. Your exposition of Kal and Dial is quite satisfactory. To comprehend it in its entirety is difficult until one has reached a certain stage of spiritual progress. Though we know it not, the Master sees everyone and everything. Master is the supreme power which permeates all. In Sachkhand and other regions, he is present. His form varies with the region. On the physical plane, he has the form like ours. This form he assumed for our benefit to teach us, to give us the message of the Supreme Father and to uplift us. When an individual is capable of withdrawing his mind and soul current from his body and concentrating on the eye focus, then he begins to see within himself the finer form of the master. From the moment of initiation, this finer form takes charge of the individual and is within him constantly. This form inwardly, if an individual establishes his connection with it by concentration, will answer directly face to face all the questions put to him. Unfortunately, our attention is outward and we look outside and can only see physical forms. When our attention is inward, we will see finer forms. This finer form of the Master watches us always. You would say, why then does the Master through this form not prevent us from committing sins and falling into temptations if he is always with us? He does help, but only when you sincerely and from your inmost heart desire to avoid temptations, but not when you secretly wish to enjoy the guilty pleasures and outwardly you pray for help. You would perhaps say that Master is more powerful than we are, so why does not he prevent us forcibly? Mind would not concentrate and rise up as long as there are desires in it of this world. The individual's desires are mostly the outcome of past karma, Feeble and passing desires arise in thought and are stilled after mental satisfaction. There are other desires which are more persistent. They have to be satisfied, some even on the physical plane. So whatever happens is for our ultimate good, although at times it appears antagonistic to our calculations. We are ignorant of our past karma, but Master knows 
So the whole thing reduces to this, that we do what we have been asked to do by Master, spiritual exercises, and doing our worldly things with our ordinary wisdom and never caring for the result. Do your duty and expect nothing. Leave that to the Master. For me it is immaterial whether you hold the service or Jalwantes does, provided the service is conducted in the true spirit of service and is looked upon as Master's work and done without any idea of self-praise or egoism. Then the very selflessness will reflect upon others and remove any chance of misunderstanding. However, do as you think proper. I wish you a successful trip to California and hope you will carry on the Master's work with love and affection. I hope this will reach you before you start for California. My Radhaswami to Dr. Brock and other satsangis. Yours affectionately, S.S. I'm going to read one little piece more. This is July 9th, 1914. My dear daughter, Regarding your friend whom you gave the name, you must not disclose the secrets of the path or the actual instructions, but there is no harm in giving her books or explaining the principles to her if she seems interested. By your sympathetic treatment and loving nature, you can teach her better than by words of mouth. Regarding your intention to move to some other place, you may make the change as you think best. This will be no hindrance in your spiritual work as our spiritual progress does not depend upon places or residences. One important point I would like you to understand, and that is as regards your relation to other teachers, please note it carefully. When Sant, Satguru, the master, seeing the poor helpless souls in trouble, comes from Sachkhand, the region of truth, to save them from misery, and gives them the secret of the holy sound, takes them back to home. Kal Purush, Satan, the lord of this world, also comes in the human form upon this earth and begins the work of destruction. Thus he opens a similar school whose teachings resemble somewhat to that of Sant adopts similar names and thus ensnares and misleads poor ignorant beings, preventing them from returning to their home. There are two points of differences between Sant Satguru and an incarnation of Kal Purush. The first is that this true path within us along which the soul reaches its true home, is known only to the Sant-Satguru. The Kal Purush is not acquainted with the secret of the holy sound. The path of Kal is to the left, while that of the saints is, as you know, to the right. The work of Kal is to arrange and maintain this world, and that of the Sant-Satguru is to take souls out of it. Secondly, Sant Guru never takes a single farthing from his disciples for his own purpose, i.e., he never lives upon their money. He earns his living like ordinary human beings, and what exceeds his requirements he gives to the poor, while other teachers collect subscriptions for their own use. They open a sort of business in the guise of religion. I do not mean to speak ill of anybody, but as this was an important matter, I thought it fit to write to you, You should on no account enter into lengthy debates with such persons, but you may explain the principles of your faith politely and lovingly, if so desired by them. You ask what clutches you fast in the darkness. This can be answered in one word, desires. They are the result of our own past karmas. If we can get rid of the worldly desires, there is nothing to keep us confined in this world. I will write more about this at some other time. 
The answer to your question about writing articles and papers, I have only a word to say. I had already written at great length about this matter in a previous letter. The idea of trying to instruct others by means of contributing to journals is a clever deception of the mind. Really, in such cases, the mind is not actuated by any benevolent motive. It takes a delight in showing its superior knowledge to others. This sort of delicate pride should be carefully shunned. And the fact is that we cannot change the destiny of others by our actions. Master himself will manage to help those people, even without any articles and papers. Regarding your duty as voter, it is beneficial to take active interest in politics. But there is no harm in the simple act of voting. Voting is a right and not a duty. You may use it or not, as you will. I am very glad to see that your hard work in this direction and do not want to get hasty results. Your progress so far is very encouraging. With love, yours affectionately, SS. I'm also picking selections from different letters. This one is of March 13, 1922. Dear son, I am glad to receive your letter of November 13th and to read of your struggle with the mind. One should attempt his best to submit his will to the will of the master. In attempting his best, his duty is over. The rest lies with the master. This mental struggle that you are passing through is like a tug of war. You will win in the end if you persevere. The mind behaves like this, but in the end it is conquered. There are three minds, Pindi, Brahmandi, and Nij. The Pindi mind works in the body below the eye focus. It has low desires and an outward and downward tendency, and has connection with the senses. The friendship of the soul with it lowers her and debases her. The Brahmandi mind has good desires. It helps in the up uplift and has inward and upward tendencies and works in the Brahmand. The Nij mind is at the top of the second stop, Trikuti, and in it lies the seed of all creation. All these three have to be conquered. You have mentioned of a letter with the words, Submit your will to the will of the Father. A grand truth has been conveyed to you. It is the essence of essences. As to the accompanying scene, this is nothing as compared to what is there in store within and for you. As your spirit current will collect in the eye focus and then move inwardly, you will see countless scenes after crossing the sun and moon, and you will see the Master. It is this Father which is always with the disciple and who watches him all the time who is to take the soul upwards. He will answer to all the inquiries, but only when union is established. The truth conveyed in that letter is a stepping stone for higher progress. As long as there is I, then he does not reveal himself. But when I is gone, then only he remains. I am glad to learn that Mr. T.P. is a fine fellow, honest and reliable, and he went satisfied after going through your collection of letters. The Radhaswami faith is purely for the uplift of the soul. It is far superior to making prophecies and doing miracles. The latter are simply a collection of mind. At present, the world does not know its true value. This is a letter from December 1926, Master's Letter to Edna, cousin to Mrs. Brock. 
Dear daughter, I have been receiving your monthly letters, the last one bearing the date September 4th. I must say that your letters are very welcome, as they are so full of love for and anxiety to see him and meet him, who is at the back of all and the cause of causes. It is natural that to such a loving soul this world should look like a big nothing and devoid of all interest, and this should also explain why you care so little for people. I am glad to learn that after long and patient waiting you have received initiation. You have been put in touch with the sound current. This is the connecting link between your soul and the Creator. Your mind with all its paraphernalia is the disturbing element or the curtain that keeps the soul away from the cur current. All else besides the current is negative, therefore illusionary and transitory, changing and changeable, dispersing and distressing. The force of the negative power will decrease in proportion to the attention given to the current. The first step is to come within or rise above body consciousness. That is, our thoughts should be confined to what lies within us. For it is only when we can be said to be sitting within ourselves, only then we will feel at peace. Just as a wanderer in the forest loses his way and finds no rest till he returns to his home, Similarly, our attention remains outside us. Through the nine portals of the body, it is always directed outward. It remains in communion with the outside objects or their impressions, and this habit has become so fixed that we cannot hold our attention within us, even for a second. The Western mind even abhors the idea of vacancy. This has to be brought inside, and when it lies to rest there, like the wanderer coming home, it will find peace within. This bringing in of the attention is done by repetition. Repeating the five names in the manner you have been told. Repetition should be done with the attention held at the eye focus. Repetition without fixing the attention is no good. This repetition with attention impresses on your mind the idea of what lies within you and tries to take you to those for whom the names stand. By this process, we are substituting outside objects for those that lie within. The moment we are within, the sound current is there to take charge of us. The astral form of the master is at the eye focus and always ready to do the necessary guidance. In the process of repetition, the limbs will become senseless first, as the attention is withdrawn from there. Later on, as this process of withdrawal proceeds, the trunk of the body becomes senseless and ultimately the entire body below the eyes will become senseless. Breathing will continue as in sleep normally, only the tension instead of being out will be within. Not below the eyes as in sleep, but above the eyes. There will be full consciousness within on the internal objects, but unconsciousness so far as the outward world is concerned. This is death of which the world is so much afraid. Those who go on this path die daily, and for them death is no terror. For them it is a beaten path. This way of concentration is the safest. There is no strain on any organ. We are con concentrating attention only. When we are talking to our friends, our attention is in the talk. We are not conscious of the rate of breathing or circulation of blood, etc. They go on normally. Similarly, in repetition, we are talking to our friends within. When the attention goes in as a matter of habit, 
just as it goes out now, then the sound current will pull it up, and by and by will take it to the place from which there is no return, the place of eternal bliss. By repetition, the physical world is left behind, and the astral plane has been reached. In this plane, bewitching spirits interfere, but only when the attention is off the sound current. On repeating the names, the idea of the sound current comes back, and the attention catches the current again, and off go the evil spirits. No evil spirit can stand before the repetition of the five names. All spirits that come in this way must be tested by repetition of the five names. As the entire astral plane is the manifestation of the negative power or powers and is intended by that power to hold back the upgoing spirit, so great caution is needed in crossing this plane. The astral form of the master guides here. The master who is the representative of the positive power will stand the five name test. Take for granted that all that has happened is happening or will happen, is with his will. So whatever circumstances we find ourselves, we should remain content. If he sends us misery, we should accept it with pleasure. If he keeps us happy, we should take it as his children. So do not consider that your life is not a bed of roses. Take it as his gift and be happy in it. Misery is a blessing in disguise, says Shakespeare. Misery is a medicine and pleasure is the disease. For in pleasure the mind dominates and keeps us away from the path. You say that you are thirsty for knowledge. Knowledge is in the sound current. It is within you. Go within and ride the sound current and be the master of all knowledge. From the time of initiation when the master takes over the charge of a soul, he is more anxious than the soul to see it installed on the throne of bliss and peace. Even if the devotee, through some chance, leaves the master or loses faith in him, he on his part never leaves. He will someday bring the devotee on the path again. His mission is to take up the souls, and a soul once initiated is never deserted. This is the law. How will I know if I see anything? I might think it was meant for me. Apply the five-name test, and if the thing or form stands, associate with it and consider that it is meant for you. Otherwise, reject it. Birth follows desire. We are born again and again because our attention is given deeply to the desires, and unfulfilled desires bring the attention back. When the desire is for the higher planes and not for the things of this world, then why should we return to this world after death? The attention will go up. And for those who have, while living, concentrated up to the eye focus, there is no return. The Master is waiting for you at the eye focus and is anxious to receive you there in his arms. It is for you to rise up to the eyes. Okay, I think I'll let Sheila read. February 14th, 1924. Dear son and dear daughter, I have read with interest your letter of December 3rd, giving a vivid account of members there and of the current of thoughts in others. Human nature is the same everywhere. The Pindy mind is not like to be subdued because it has been free since long 
and has become so much absorbed in this outer world that it has not only forgotten the world within, but has forgotten its own source, the Ramandi mind. Instead of controlling the senses, it is now subject to them and thus wanders from one object to another without anything to rest upon. If by good luck it is comparatively free from the anxieties of life and hears of the worlds within and occasionally has a point glimpse of the mere outskirts of those worlds, then instead of going in and bearing mastery over them, it is, alas, held out by fame. The last infirmity of noble minds, as Milton calls it, The fame and honor given by people keep it out just as much as ears are held by sweet music and eye is held by an attractive object. In the guise of doing good to others, it deceives itself and in ignorance knows not that the valuable time is being lost. First know thyself and then preach. It is not proper to teach a thing of which one has not the first-hand knowledge. You should not in any way disturb yourself over Ms. Ta refusing to go on. Radhaswami is a faith of love, pure and simple. In this there is no room for pressure. You did your duty in pointing out her mistake. When she is tired of her work and finds it is hollow, she will revert. The seed that has been sown will sprout one day. It cannot perish. You may give copies of Kabir's song to whomever you like, As to the books, I find on inquiry that the books were never dispatched. They were received here in the absence of the storekeeper, and the new man in charge sold them out to others. More books have been ordered now, and I hope to send you these by the end of February. I'm very sorry for this delay and omission. As to the loan of books, you may lend them out to those whom you think reliable and likely to understand them. But give the benefit of your satsang to all seekers after truth when they came to you in your Sunday meetings. With Father's blessings for you and others, yours affectionately, Sawan Singh. And one more, October 10th, 1923. Dear son and dear daughter, your letter of August 12th was duly received. I am glad to read the sound advice that you gave to Mrs. T. P. Radhaswami does not advocate helping those who do not stand in need of help and especially when you suffer thereby. To help those in need is quite a different thing. By giving too much help to his sons, he is making them dependent. He should let them stand on their own legs, as you say. I am also glad to read that your contact with Mrs. S. has infused a new spirit in her now, and she is up again with the exercises. I am also glad to read that you initiated Mrs. McHugh. I have read her letter to you, which you had enclosed in your letter, She seems to be serious and devoted. You better help her if you have time by your advice and correspondence, if she so desires. Because help given to such a soul is reflected back on him that gives. And Father also shows mercy to a soul that has been the agent of initiating a true devoted soul. Saint Kabir says that initiating of a soul is equivalent to giving one crore, ten millions of cows in charity. For what greater good is there than to take out a soul from the region of call into the sphere of Dial? You may impart instructions to Miss Ta if you think her fit. I sent enclosed in my last letter a translation of one of the songs of Kabir. I hope you have got it. 
It is a pity that there is no time to translate the literature on Satmant into English for your benefit. One Mr. Pai had started this work, but unfortunately he died when his work was still incomplete and his notes are not traceable. I have received your money order. Uh, the books have been ordered and shall be dispatched to you when they arrive. Never think for a moment that you are at such a long distance from me. A master in the form of Shabd is within you and is watching you and looking after you in every way. If you rise a bit more, you can talk with him when you like. Kabir says, If Guru resides at a distance, then direct the soul towards him, riding the steed of Shabd, and instantly it is in communion with him. My connection with you is not limited to this life, but it is for all times. All of us are to reach our own home, Sajkhand. Radhaswami from Sazmas and others of the faiths, yours affectionately, Salman Singh.